Before we listen to this podcast, Marcus wants to share the following Wellness Summit blooper with you. Damo, this is ridiculous. When we recently closed two-for-one ticket sales to the summit, we left the two-for-one banner on our website saying, get your two-for-one tickets. How do you think that's gone down with our loyal listeners? People are jumping online to buy two-for-one tickets, but our system has shut them down. Oh dear, Marcus. So let's do this, MP. As our way to thank our listeners for their patience and to apologize for our feeble technology troubles, let's release 100 more seats at two-for-one. Let's do 50 double passes at the two-for-one rate. But Damo, we were just about to raise the price by 50 bucks a ticket. I know, MP, but I'm pulling rank. For one week only, Wellness Council listeners, you have one more chance to come to the summit at half price. Two days at the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre on September 10 and 11. That's 16 hours of powerhouse wellness at less than $10 per hour. You're so generous, Damo. This offer strictly expires at 11.59pm on Sunday, May 8th, so don't delay. To register for one of only 50 double passes, go to thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by one of my favourite wellness personalities, He's a fellow Adelaidean, although he is currently travelling the world across in America somewhere. He needs no real introduction because he's a star of the Wellness Couch, um, a star of the Wellness Summit, one of the absolute favourite speakers at the Wellness Summit. So welcome to the show, Kale Brock. Ah, thanks for having me back on the Paleo Show, Brady. I know, it's been a while since we had you on, actually. I can't even remember when the last episode was, but it was a little while ago now, probably a year or two, I reckon, was it? I reckon it was at least two years ago, and it's funny because that interview really kicked off my whole next level. You know how we talk about how you know cool jumping up in big increments and stuff. It was that interview. I sort of pinpoint that and doing a talk with you and stuff that really, um, yeah, it sort of launched me a little bit. So I, I do oh. have a lot of appreciation for you for that. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> stoked about that because you're a yeah. superstar now, Cal. You're just <laughs> like you're the it thing right now. You're your new book and your new protocol is just going absolute gangbusters. I said to you off air, I was just having going for a walk on Wednesday night with good friend Steve, who everyone will recognise as our former co-host on that paleo show. We went for this beautiful evening walk. It was so nice. Went up to Mount Lofty in the dark, no torches, heaps of animals. And we had this great in-depth chat about all things life. But one of the things that came up was your new book and your new protocol, which Steve is currently doing and absolutely loving. So you've been doing some great things, Kale. Your podcast is going great guns. You've been interviewing some amazing people. Um, tell us about your last two years. What, what has been the shift and the leap and the change that's happened in the last two years? Well, I guess I think it's funny. When you talk about change, I always come back to the fact that mentally we change first. So a lot of us tend to walk around looking for the results which will then dictate how we think about ourselves and then reinforce that whole um, scenario. Whereas what we actually need to do is start to change our self-image first and what we change what we expect to receive from the world. And as soon as I started applying that principle and and doing that, things started to change, funnily enough. So... um, when I started to build a bit of an image of myself as a health ambassador, you know, a bit of a health speaker, someone who's going to get up on stage in front of people and, and share an, a message in an entertaining and hopefully inspiring way, 
that was when these opportunities started to pop up. And, I, you know, every I was getting an email from, from you and Steve. I was getting asked to speak at little things here and there. And slowly, slowly, it's sort of built up into this huge thing where I, now I'm a full-time writer and speaker. Um, and you know, now I've got two books released. And I spoke at the Wellness Summit last year, as you said, which was a massive dream for me. So I, I've been ticking off all these boxes. It's been really, really nice. But along the way, it's... I've sort of made sure that I've cemented what I do in trying to inspire people and entertain people uh, by sharing stories. And often those stories center around the gut and how the health of the gut tends to have a big impact on your life. That's so cool, Kale. And you were great at the Wellness Summit. It was so funny watching you get up on stage. You had your little jacket on. You were looking pretty slick. And, you know, all the ladies in the crowd gave a little bit of a gasp and were like, look at this cutie up here. Isn't he just gorgeous? And then you started speaking and they were like, wow, he knows his stuff too. And you went all into the details of the gut and, and people loved it. They were just blown away. So not just a pretty face is this, Kale Brock. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So let's talk about this self-image first idea, Kale, because I reckon that's really important. And it's not where I thought this interview was going to go today, but I reckon it's a really important topic to talk about. So what was it and that helped you change that self-image? How did you go about altering the way you thought about yourself because you know a lot of people listen to that thinking yeah that sounds good that makes sense but how do I actually go about doing that for myself well the first step is to have someone pointed pointed out to you that you should take care in regards to how you build your self-image and for me I hadn't even really heard the words self-image before and it wasn't until I did um, Born Rich which is a Bob Proctor protocol and it's not just talking about rich Mm -hmm. money it's talking about rich in potential and and life and joy and all that sort of stuff Um, and that was an amazing experience for me and that talked a lot about this self-image you know it's kind of like that Rhonda Byrne stuff the the power the secret Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff but brought back down to a comprehensive um, and everyday person level and that's what I that's what I really got from it. And it was like, okay, hang on, you've actually got to take a little bit of care in terms of what you're um, carrying in your heart or in your brain, or however you want to you go with that. Mm. So at that time, I was just letting my self image be dictated with the results that I was getting in my life at that point, which is a very quick way to stay where you are for the rest of your life. Um, so what I had to do was to actually say, okay, well, what do I want? That's the biggest mm. question in our lives, I think. It's not that hard getting what you want. Deciding what you want is the biggest thing. Most people, if you went up and asked them, I said, here's all the money you need in the world, blah, 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 because a lot of our wants does, um, revolve around money. And they say, what would you do with your time? And they go, oh, my, oh my gosh, I don't know. What yeah. would I do? See, that you've got to have a really specific, powerful question there. And that's when it comes to, or image there, it's got to come down to your why. What is your big why? And for me, a massive part of my why was surfing. And I always talk about this, and people know me as the surfer now, which is great because that's what I am. It's a huge part of my life. It's this, it's this very special place for me to be out in the ocean chasing waves. And what I wanted was to build a lifestyle that allowed me to actually go and chase the surf around the world and to actually dictate when and where I had to work. And as an aside to that, I wanted to work in a job that was going to keep me fulfilled. It was going to keep me creative and it was going to keep me telling stories and and entertaining and hopefully inspiring people. So I built this image and I was very specific about that. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. 
Okay, so I wrote down, this is what my perfect day would look like. And I can't really remember what I wrote back then. I said, this is what I want to be doing. This is how much money I want to be making. I want to be working off my computer, traveling the world. And lo and behold, I'm doing it today, which is amazing. And there's one good example that I that I share with people. I used to carry around, like I had a specific car that I wanted to drive. And nice. that was just my test because I was like, I'm going to see if this works. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to take an image of a car and I'm going to see if it works because I was driving like a pretty crappy car at that point. I was like, yeah, I'll just test it on that. So I got um, a Mini Cooper Paceman, like one of the bigger Mini Coopers, just for, <laughs> for anyone listening that was telling me I have a girl car. <laughs> <laughs> so I got this image of the Mini Cooper and I actually blue tacked it onto the dash of my um, Toyota Camry. And it was actually like covering the Speedo. So I always used to say I didn't know where I was going. I just knew how fast I was going to get there. Oh, no, I didn't know. I knew where I was going. I just didn't know how fast I was going to get there. But that image, after a while, started to become a little bit serious. It's like, okay, well, I'm seeing this every day. This is starting to build something in me. This is starting to change something in me. My self-image is changing. And the car I walk out to every day, I'm starting to expect to actually see the Mini Cooper in the driveway. And again, um, when I actually made a few steps and, and had a look at the finances and all that sort of stuff, it was actually possible to get the car. So I went and leased the car and did all that stuff and that's when it got serious, you know, and I started to to build from there. And I think since then I've just made these huge leaps only through applying that principle, through really pushing myself every day to really question my self-image and just work on it every day and refine it every day because it can change. It can always change. But also uh, with that, you've actually got to focus on living in the moment as well. Okay, so it's like a two-way street because if you're constantly focusing on the future and you're always thinking about your future self-image, you're really going to get stuck. Okay, you're never going to be happy. So you've really got to appreciate what's going on now. And that's where surfing for me has been huge because it's taught me to breathe. It's taught me to be present. It's taught me to be in the moment completely and really access that flow state, that meditative state that a lot of people talk about. See, I don't even meditate. I surf. That's my meditation. See, I feel better after surfing, after a good surf session than I do meditating. Ten times better because that's my flow state. That's where my brain starts to get all those exciting things happening. Now, that has been a huge anchor for me to really um, stay on track with what I'm talking about here. So it's easy to hear these ideas, but to apply them consistently over a long time, that's the challenge. And when you have your big why, so what is your big why? Well, maybe it's knitting, maybe it's lawn bowls, whatever it is. Having that in your life is such a powerful tool to help you stay on track and really keep things in perspective so that you can achieve your dreams. And, and I've been able to do that so far. I love that. And you know what I love about that the most is what you're talking about is, you know, not waiting for results for everything to be okay. You know, not waiting till you get to your ideal self-image, but focusing on right now, focusing on your current self-image and and being able to change that. And then I think the beauty of that is you stop saying, I'll be happy when, you know, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when that happens. You say, well, I'm just going to be happy now. And, And then, you know, I've still got a goal of where I'd like to be. But but I'm creating a positive self-image of myself now that's going to allow me to actually get there rather than constantly focusing on, well, I won't be okay until that happens. 
Yeah, and you've got to find that balance that works for you because some people find that they really need a strong drive. So a lot of their time is spent in the future and that Mm. tends to work for them. That's why, you know, a lot of these high-level executives and stuff now are spending a little bit of time meditating because it forces them to come back to present moment. Um, But yeah, for me, it's always been sort of just enjoying the ride. Like, what's the point? my, My brother and I are funny because we grew up in a world, we grew up in an environment where it was like you worked. You worked nine till five, five days a week, and then you came home. And you didn't necessarily enjoy your job. You just went and did it because, you know, you had a family to support and all that sort of stuff, which is completely understandable. But our awareness is different because I've been lucky enough to have been exposed to these ideas, and that's the key thing. A lot of people would act on this information if they were exposed to it. And that's where my job comes in. There's got to be an awareness of these ideas. And when you do get that awareness, things start to change. So my brother, he is like itchy as. So he's a a builder, right? So he's a full-time carpenter. And he's like, yep, I'm going to retire by 30. I'm going to automate this whole deal because he wants to surf. Like he's the same as me. So um, it's been very funny being able to push through those ideas even amongst that not negativity, certainly not negativity from the parents, but that concern, you know, that paternal and maternal concern mm. that comes with seeing your children question the paradigm, the convention. Um, you, uh, naturally, you would get a little bit nervous, but we've been able to push on and support each other. And it's, it's been such a nice journey, honestly. It's been so nice. And I'm so lucky to be able to share these ideas along with all the gut health stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, on stage. Like this is really where where I'll go throughout the future and well, I can see I was, that quite clearly. I was just about to ask that, Kelly. Is this going to be your next book, you know, riding the wave, <laughs> going with the flow? It, it sounds like it something that will, we will. It will, but not for the next five years. I actually want to amass a lot of info on that and, and experience some things first. I think I'm just going to ride the, ride the probiotic wave for the next five to ten years and then after that I'll get a little bit deeper, I think. Nice, nice. And I'm just imagining your like vision of your ideal day you spoke about before and it's like, you know, eight hours sleep, you know, 15 hours, 50 mile, five minutes surfing and then you know, maybe five minutes of work in between, right? Like- yeah. Well, that's it. I've, I, you know, um, it's been cool. I'm lucky enough to live in the world with the internet. <laughs> and computers, so I am able to be a little bit flexible and and smart with how I work. Not necessarily always working hard, but working smart. Nice, I love it. All right, so let's get in and talk about what we actually intended on talking about today, which was gut health, because <laughs> we just got totally distracted. But I love a worthwhile distraction, and I love getting yeah. off topic because often that's where the little gems come in. And and hopefully people have been able to put up with us getting a little bit sidetracked and got something out of it today. But let's talk about your new protocol, Kyle. How did this come about? The gut healing protocol is, um, it was always there. So I always had this framework for people to get their gut healthy because I was exposed to that those ideas when I was 16, when I was mm. diagnosed with a heart condition. So if, if people don't know my story, I was diagnosed with supraventricular tachycardia and the doctor said, look, there's nothing you can do. You're going to have to undergo an ablation, which is where they enter your heart and they burn away a piece of the heart. I thought, hang on, I'm 16. Surely there's something else I can do. What about nutrition? He said, uh, it's got nothing to do with it. Come on, <laughs> let's book you in. So um, long story short, within six months, I was able to turn that condition around naturally. So that was a huge thing for me and it kicked off this interest in health. And I was able to turn things around by working with an amazing naturopath in Adelaide, uh, Eris Watkins, who was a 
a naturopath of 40 years, so a massive body of experience. And within a couple of hours, she was able to teach me this information. Now, as a natural journalist, natural researcher, I wanted to delve deeper. So I did the rounds from there. I didn't just stay with that whole thing and just know that it was the best. I did the rounds. I did raw food. I did vegan. I talked to David Wolf. I talked to all the different people, you know, about food. And I really wanted to know where health stemmed from. And over the last two to three years, even three to four years, everything kept pointing back to the gut. And this was in mainstream media because, you know, everyone always talked about the gut. Hippocrates talked about the gut over 2,400 years ago. He said all disease begins in the gut. Now, he forgot to say that all health begins in the gut Mm -hmm. too. Now, we had a bunch of science explode about around two decades ago, really, maybe a decade ago. But over the last four to five years, that stuff started coming out in the mainstream media. Here's what the gut's doing. The gut might be the answer to your inflammation issues and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, hang on, this is where I need to be focusing because this is huge. And when we look at the makeup of the body, we see that only 10% of you is actually human. 90% of you is microbial. Now, if we break that down even further, here's the biggest thing. This, this is amazing, this stat. When it comes to the DNA contributing to your health, your DNA pool, 99% of it is microbial. 1% is human. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that, you have to think, would the makeup of the different microbes living on and inside of me maybe have an impact on the experiences I have throughout my life? And the answer is yes, in a massive way, and certainly when it comes to disease management and uh, thrive management. So really, really enjoying life to the fullest. And and so, yeah, so it no. seems from that, Kale, that I guess, you know, we've just got to really change the way we think of ourselves as a person. You know, mm. it seems like we've got to change from thinking ourselves of ourselves as a singular organism and start thinking of ourselves as an ecosystem, you know, like perhaps we would think of a rainforest where, you know, all the different animals, all the different plants need to be working together in harmony to make that whole ecosystem healthy. And it seems like that's the way we started to go with ourselves, is realising that we're not just one organism, we're actually a whole bunch of organisms in an ecosystem. Trillions. And that rainforest analogy is probably the most apt analogy. But it's also, if you look at the rainforest, the rainforest itself is a microcosm of the globe itself. Yeah. And this is really the, the way the globe has been shaped or designed, how, how, whatever you believe in there. So it's this, it's this image of what's around us that's reflected within us. So, <clears throat> for instance, if you live in... Let's say you live in Los Angeles. I'm here in Los Angeles at the moment, and it's not as nice as That's Australia. A rock star. Trust me, <laughs> a rock star. It's not as nice as Australia. So here, the the microbes in the environment would be very different to those found in Australia. Now, these microbes here would actually populate the gastrointestinal tract. They'd populate the skin of the people here in LA because they would be native. Why does that happen? That's because the microbes here actually have or will may carry certain advantages for that given environment. So a nice example here is the Yanomami tribe in the Amazon, so a relatively untouched tribe. They actually carry a specific parasite in their digestive tract, which helps them deal with the um, massive amount of starches that they have to eat. So we talk Mm -hmm. about paleo and stuff, how 
our version of paleo is quite low carb, whereas their version of paleo is quite high carb, but they have that specific parasite from the environment that gets passed down from generation to generation to help them deal with the starches. Now, there would be hundreds of examples like this. We talk about how people of Asian descent tend to deal with things like rice and stuff better. Why? That's because their microbiomes, that is the different bacteria, yeast, viruses, parasites, and protozoans which live on and inside of you, adapt to the diet. And they shift and form and they form different template ecosystems within the humans to better adapt to a given diet. So it's it's a pretty amazing system that the world has developed or, or shaped over this this long time of, of being human. And over the past, unfortunately, over the past 100 years, um, since around the 1940s when penicillin was started to be, to be used on, on a wide scale, we've actually started to damage that system. We've started to compromise the systems that Mother Nature had in place to keep us healthy because we discovered antibiotics. And you know what? It's completely understandable. When antibiotics were discovered, we were living in horrible conditions. We were living very close together. We were pooing in the street. We had all these different blood infections and all these various things that we thought were mystical almost, you know, undefeatable. But when we found antibiotics, when we found that the penicillin mold would produce this substance that was an antibiotic, we thought, hang on. We've found the answer. Little did we know that the penicillin was actually going in and killing off the good bugs as well. So Mm. we've heard about antibiotics now killing off the good bugs as well. And a lot of people don't know that resistance by bacteria to penicillin started to develop two years after it was introduced. And we've seen that across the board. Antimicrobial resistance is a massive issue. So this is literally the microbes becoming smarter than the antibiotics. So let's say we've got some candida and we we give an antibiotic and the candida wipes out 99%. That 1% then slowly starts to grow back. Let's say the person eats a lot of sugar. It'll grow back even more and more and more. The next time someone takes that antibiotic, that candida is a little bit smarter than it was before. Mm. And this time there's 20% left over. And over time there's a complete resistance to the antibiotic. Now, the British inquiry into antimicrobial resistance says that by 2050, if we do not fix this issue, if we do not overcome antimicrobial resistance, 10 million people a year will die as a result of it. So if you have to ever think about it, no more um, cardiac surgeries, mm. no more no more re- reconstructive surgeries, no more C-sections, nothing, because antibiotics will well, not work. And the fundamental problem there, Kyle, is that you know an antibiotic, a, a drug, a medication is a very blunt tool. It's a, for want of a better word, it's a stupid tool. You know, it, yes. it's not able to adapt. It's not able to change. It's not able to, you know, create different solutions. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if there was some sort of system within our body that actually had intelligence, you know, that wasn't just a blunt tool, but was actually able to adapt to the pathogens that came in, that was actually able to mount different responses for different bacteria and evolve and learn and get better as it got exposed to different bacteria. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a system like that that could adapt to bacteria? (laughs) There is, and guess what? It's called the immune system, and we know now that around 80 to 90% of your immune system stems from the gut because the gut and the gut microbes constantly communicate with your immune cells, and they train them. They have the ability to train them, and not only that, but the microbes themselves within the gut can actually have a massive influence 
on the level of pathogens when you, within your gut. So we talk about pathogenic bacteria, things like Candida and E. coli and H. pylori as being completely bad. Well, they're actually not. So um, Dr. Martin Blazer has done a lot of work on this amazing human. Um, he's head of medical science at New York University, I believe, which is, which is a huge uni. And uh, he's doing research that shows that H. pylori actually plays a role in regulating appetite and training your immune system. But it's only this. when... Yeah, it's only when it reaches a certain critical mass point that it causes issues. What influences that critical mass point? It's the number of good bugs keeping the H. pylori in check. So if you have enough, let's say, lactobacillus bacteria, which is known to keep H. pylori in check, bifidobacteria, if you have enough of those, they will physically crowd out the H. pylori to keep it in low enough numbers so that it stays healthy. Candida, the same thing. Normally, a beneficial bowel yeast chews up excess sugar, removes heavy metals from the body, but when it receives too much sugar or when there are not enough probiotics to keep its levels in a healthy balance, that's when it grows out of control and it will go crazy and it will tell you to eat more sugar because that's what it needs and we see all sorts of health problems cascading from that. You know, I always think of it like rodents. You know, like in a, you know, in the rainforest, there are rodents, you know, and they're actually a really healthy part of the rainforest. You know, you wouldn't make the, the rainforest healthier by getting rid of the rodents, right? You actually need to have them there in the appropriate ratio. And, and the, the natural environment is such that everything stays in its appropriate ra- ratio. You know, you have homeostasis. But when it gets out of its appropriate ratio, then rodents can become a problem. You know, they can overwhelm the rest of the environment and cause issues. And so it's, it's not that there's, like, good and bad bacteria, is it? It's just that they need to be in the appropriate ratios, in the appropriate homeostatic mechanisms to keep the whole lot healthy and in balance. Yes, exactly. And when because we live in an, in an age where we have toyed around and compromised the microbiome so much, a lot of people don't have the ability now to overcome these infections. And a lot of people don't have the knowledge, one, but also the approach to actually reestablish that gut health. And that's where the gut healing protocol came in. Um, as, as you would have read in the book, it's a, it's a massive body of research, but it's also having a look at what the best doctors are doing with their patients and mm. taking those ideas on board and having a look at how they work in terms of reestablishing that gut health and getting the good guys to be in high numbers and getting the bad guys to be in their appropriate numbers. So I've got a question for you, Gals. Kale. So we talked about the, um, the diff- people with different diets and how different diets can actually lead to a different microbiome, how it can actually yes. change your microbiome. But then obviously you can change your microbiome to help you deal with different diets. Mm. So which of those approaches do we need to take? Like should we be trying to change our diet to suit our microbiome or should we be trying to change our microbiome to suit our diet or does it need to be both? I think it needs to be both to an extent because now we're blessed with technology and we can be very scientific and specific about how we're affecting the gut with what we eat and what we take. Um, I think that's that goes two ways. You know, I think we also need to acknowledge what's been done for thousands of years as well. So mm. when we look at the gut, we need to look at each person individually because we have to do that because every single person has a different microbiome. They received, you receive your microbiome from your mum when you're born and where does your mum get a microbiome? From her mum. But it's also a reflection of her environment. So let's say that mum was a Grange local and she's going to have microbes that help her thrive in the Grange environment. This is in Adelaide, just a suburban Adelaide, so just general. She's going to pass on 
that microbiome with those grain-specific microbes to baby so that baby can thrive in that environment. Now, if baby has antibiotics, if baby has, for instance, maybe too much tap water, which we know is super clean, which is completely understandable. They, they clean it by killing off all the microbes. So chlorine and fluoride, very powerful antimicrobials. That's why they're in there, okay? But they also have an influence on your gut bacteria, unfortunately. And, of course, we've got processed foods, high-sugar diets, uh, radiation, all these things which cause the good bacteria to fall down in their, in their density, in their population numbers. So what do we do in that situation? We've got to work out, in a way, what, which bacteria are going to work best, for that person, okay? And for that, we have to go back all the way to when they were born and reset their microbiome to that because that's their inner microbiome. That's their template because the immune system has been trained to deal with that specific template because that's what it does when you're first born. The uh, segmented filamentous bacteria, big word, they go in from mum at birth and they say, immune system, look, we're coming in. We're going to set up shop. You guys are going to have to calm down. Normally, you'd turf us out. But hey, look, mum knows best. She knows what's out there. We've got to come in and set up shop to help you survive. Okay, so that's going to be the best microbiome for that person for the rest of their life. Okay, so, so we have to work. Yep. So is it possible to replace that? Because I've been told by other people that there are certain beneficial bacteria you get at birth that if you then kill off, whether that's through antibiotics, lifestyle, whatever, that you can never actually get back to exactly how it was to start with. Is that true or is it possible? The, I mean, it's hard to say definitively because the, the research is quite hard on that. You'd have to study someone for quite a long time. <laughs> but I think that we've lost certain species of microbes. Mm. I really do. Mm. So I think now we're probably only going to be able to get to a certain point with our gut health. It's never going to be ideal again, yeah. I think. So when we look at the microbes coming from mum, we see that the majority of them are lactobacillus bacteria and bifidobacteria. So Julia Enders talks about this in her book, Gut. It's a very, very good book. And she talks about how all those bacteria, or most of those bacteria, around 90% are from those species. So <clears throat> those are the best ones to go to when it comes to putting back in the good bugs. So we're going to start supplementing, for instance, with lactobacillus. We're going to start supplementing with bifidobacteria because that's going to help us start to re-establish that inner microbiome, that microbiome template that we got at birth from mum. And that way, we can actually start to make steps to change the diet as well. And then the diet's going to start to influence how our microbiome evolves from there. So let's say that a Maasai warrior, you know, the Maasai over in Kenya, they consume around 85%, 90% dairy. Okay, so that's their main source of, of food, dairy. We talk about dairy now as being bad. Well, their dairy is very different from the dairy we receive here. Okay, so their bacteria would be mostly probably lactobacillus bacteria because that lactobacillus bacteria comes from their mums, but it also feeds off all that milk. Mm. So you might have a microbiome that feeds off Brett's famous bone broth or Brett's famous um, steak and sweet potato chips. So you would have a microbiome that reflects your diet, and if you can get yourself on a very clean, healthy diet, that's obviously going to be better because it's going to reflect what Mother Nature intended. And obviously from the research, we're, we're also finding that processed foods, foods high in sugar, tend to massively disrupt the microbiome. 
Yeah. So, so really your protocol then, we're getting right back to the basics, aren't we? We're going right back to the start and then rebuilding these ecosystem, these eco or these ecosystems right from the start and and then you know going almost going through those uh layers of development that that we either didn't go through in the first place or that we've we've since damaged and so re-establishing that natural healthy gut environment yes that's what we're doing and that's why throughout the protocol we actually focus on removing um most sugars in the in, from the diet and that's because when we have sugars in the diet they tend to feed the pathogenic microbes. And you can talk about whether natural sugars and, and refined sugars are very different and all that sort of stuff. Regardless, look, if you really want to heal the gut for at least a while until you reestablish your really strong gut health, you're probably going to benefit from staying off even the natural sugars. So we're talking about honey and fruit and all those sorts of things. We're not saying those foods are evil. Those foods are fantastic, okay, when they're fresh in season and organic. And you've got a healthy microbiome to deal with it. So in the protocol, we go through five steps. We've got the remove section where we want to remove or rebalance the um, the inflammatory foods from the diet, and we really want to we and and the microbes as well. So we want to remove and rebalance those. We want to kick out the bad guys, or at least drop down their numbers. Number two, we want to replace the digestive fire. So we want to replace the enzymes and the hydrochloric acid. Whether you need to supplement with those is an individual thing. So people normally have to work with an integrative GP to test that stuff. But if you're just putting it on the fly and just winging it, generally your hydrochloric acid and your enzyme pool will jump up when you decrease the inflammation and you add in the probiotics. Number three, that's where the probiotics come in. You want to re-inoculate. So like we said before, you want to be specific about the bacteria you inoculate with. We're probably not going to go towards fermented foods at this time because we don't really always have a very specific idea of which bacteria are growing in your fermented foods. So kombucha, kefir, those things are fantastic. Okay, but if you've got severe leaky gut, then even those probiotics can leak through into the bloodstream and still cause inflammation. They'll still cause a reaction. That's why when people take Saccharomyces boulardii, sometimes they get rash and they get headaches and all that sort of stuff. That is a sign that there's some leaky gut present. So that's why number four is repair. You want to repair the gut lining because we know the gut lining is so essential in terms of maintaining your health for a really long time because it keeps out those macro molecules of food, those macro molecules of toxins. So they're big molecules that are not meant to be in the bloodstream. Your, your uh, gut lining is like a fly screen. I'm just looking at one right now. It wants to let in a lot of nice fresh air from the environment, but it wants to keep out the mosquitoes and the flies, which cause issues. That's how your gut should be. So what we want to do is heal and seal that gut lining. We want to tighten up those junctions again so that we can control what moves into the bloodstream. We can control the level of inflammation going on throughout the body. Number five is evolve the diet, okay, because that's what we want to do. We don't want to go on a gut healing protocol forever because it can be a little bit restrictive because we're cutting out a lot of carbohydrates. And that's where when we start to add in the carbohydrates again, we start to add in maybe a little bit of rice, maybe some some oats even, maybe a little bit more fruit, maybe some honey. When we add in those things down the line, when we've reestablished the gut health, when we've actually got probiotic bacteria in healthy numbers within your gastrointestinal tract, those sugars will go in and feed those good guys. So you've set yourself up for to better deal. You've given yourself a car license to deal with all those sugars. So 
really before, if, if you're having like fruit juice every day and eating truckloads of fruit like I used to do and you haven't uh, really looked at the gut and made sure you've got a good, strong, healthy microbiome, it's like giving the car keys to someone who doesn't have a car license. Okay, your body generally probably won't deal with it. Okay, and we've seen the CSI road now talk, do a lot of research about uh, resistant starch, you know, from mm. things like bananas, cashews, and all these sorts of things. A lot of people get bloated on resistant starch because they don't have any probiotics in place to deal with the resistant starch, to ferment the resistant starch, okay, because we've seen it in a lab and we've seen probiotics ferment resistant starch to produce butyrate and propionic acid and all these lovely anti-inflammatory molecules, we assume it's great for everyone. But we can't do that because a lot of people just do not have the microbes in place. And that is where, according to the science, according to doctors like Dr. Uh, William Davis and Dr. David Perlmutter and uh, Dr. Alessio Fasano and even Damo and you know the rest of the guys on the couch, that is where poor health comes from. It comes from the gut. A lot of our diseases, I would say 90 to 95% of our illnesses and diseases and conditions are stemming from poor gut health. And if we, if we can get on track, then we're going to experience a more fulfilling and certainly a more healthful life. Kyle, that was awesome, mate. I, I feel bad about cutting you off now that you just like, <laughs> it's like you're just getting on a roll. I feel like you're just giving us so much great information. But <laughs> if people want to find out more about this, they really need to get hold of your book and start getting into your protocol. So where's the best spot for people to go to find you on your website and also on social media? The best place is just kalebrock.com. So it's K-A-L-E, like the vegetable, B-R-O-C-K.com. And that's got everything on there. We've got, you know, the podcast links and the ebook and the book itself. And, and on social media, it's just at Kale Brock Health. I'm, I'm pretty much just on Instagram and Facebook, though. Yeah. I don't really do anything else. Too much, I don't have enough time. You check, know, it, so. check out all Kale's <laughs> surfing pictures. And then occasionally you might get some health information as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's great. I follow Kale and I love it. I love seeing him do all these cool exercises and handstands. And the ladies <laughs> love watching him exercise with the abs out and the pecs out. And, you know, it's just, it's just great stuff all around following Kale on social media so get into it guys thank you very much thanks for coming on kale we're going to have to have you back on again i can't wait to catch up with you when you're back in australia we've finished your your world tour uh but thank you so much for coming on board mate thanks for having me brett i keep doing what you're doing easy so until next week join the conversation on facebook give us a five star rating on itunes join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide join us next week on that paleo show This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their business, these podcasts cannot take...